Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Very Cold Lasagna Podcast, your place for all those filthy casual takes on the world of sports. I am your host, Dylan Lasagna. This is episode number 183 of this icy yet spicy sports podcast. And in this episode, we're here to talk about the big game that is coming up this coming weekend. What exactly is the big game for those of you that don't really watch sports or don't watch it at all or haven't watched it in quite some time in however many years that you haven't really watched a sport in your life? Well, that big game is none other than the Super Bowl. The NFL, the National Football League's grandest stage of them all, the game that climaxes uh, their annual seasons. Yes, that is right, the Super Bowl. No, not this big giant Super Bowl. Uh, no, it's the Super Bowl. The game that crowns you as the football champions of the world. That is right, the Super Bowl. The 58th uh, tradition, the tale as old as time in the gridiron, the Super Bowl. So the two teams that have claimed themselves as the best of the best in their conferences clash in one last game to decide who's going to be the champion of the world of this 2023 NFL season. So big game, a really big game uh, this coming weekend between my San Francisco 49ers. Yes, my team has made it to the big dance this time around, going up against the reigning, defending, undisputed uh, Super Bowl champions from last year, the Kansas City Chiefs. So a lot to talk about uh, for this big game this weekend and plenty of uh, things already uh, going to play um, leading up to uh, this game. But a little bit of housekeeping before we get started. Uh, make sure you follow the show on social media on X and Instagram at Lasagna, and follow the show and listen to the show on audio for especially for all of you that only listen to this on audio whether it's on apple Podcasts or spotify rate and review the show however you can and however you want to leave it a one to five star review leave some feedback on the show via a review and if you're watching this on youtube make sure you smash the like button leave a comment with your own takes on each and every topic that i talk about on each and every episode so smash the subscribe button and share this with your friends share this with the neighbor Share this with a stranger. Share this with your coworkers. Share this with your colleagues in school or wherever you are. Share the good word of mouth or even the bad takes that I have that I do here on Vericle Lasagna. And one little side note, um, for all my wrestling fans out there, I hope you caught that uh, uh, WrestleMania XL Extra Large uh, press conference because, damn, that was some crazy shit that went down. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything for... Uh, anyone that hasn't caught it yet, but go check out the back half, the main meat and potatoes of that press conference that went down on Thursday in Las Vegas. Yes, they were in Las Vegas to try to capitalize on the hype of the Super Bowl. Uh, so it's some interesting stuff that went down, and I'm certainly going to check out SmackDown now. <laughs> but anyway, that being said, let's talk about this big game that's coming up, the 58th annual tradition. That's known as the Super Bowl as my San Francisco 49ers take on the Kansas City Chiefs. The NFL's big game is being played for the first time in Las Vegas, Nevada, inside of Allegiant Stadium, the giant big Roomba, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, the Death Star uh, of Vegas, whatever you want to call that new big fancy stadium that owner Mark Davis built and decided to move relocate the Raiders from, from Oakland to Vegas. So uh, many, uh, like a couple of years ago in 2020. But anyway, this is the first time ever. It's because, well, <laughs> there was no NFL stadium like uh, before the Raiders moved there. But anyway, this is the first time ever that they'll be holding the big game in Las Vegas, Nevada, inside of Allegiant Stadium. And unfortunately for the Raiders, they're probably going to be pissed as all hell. Uh, they're probably going to be like morally upset that, well, their Bay Area, their former Bay Area rival is in there. And then their division rival is also in that game. So, tough shit for the Raiders. <laughs> so anyway, some little, some little random facts about this game. Uh, this game's going to be broadcast on CBS. In, on, the, on one end, you have Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Tracy Wolfson on one side. Um, uh, at least in terms of the, the broadcasting of this game, it's going to be on CBS for the 22nd time ever. Um, that, that commentating trio is going to be doing it for, I believe, the third time ever. 
Um, Jaden Hansen has been doing it for like hell long now. But interestingly enough, this is going to be the first time ever that there's going to be a fully alternate broadcast. That is right. There's going to be a full alternate broadcast. That's going to be a simulcast on, of all networks, Nickelodeon. Yeah, hell yeah, uh, brother. So if you don't want to watch the more serious uh, broadcast with Nance, Romo, and Wolfson, especially those of you that really hate on Tony Romo's nut-hugging of a certain individual, then go check out the, the Nickelodeon uh, youth broadcast that's going to feature the likes of um, the regular announcers, No Eagle, Nate Burleson. You want all these, uh, these crazy, wacky visual effects with the slime cannons, the the slime the the Nickelodeon blimp uh, pouring out the green special stuff, <laughs> but no seriously they're gonna go all out with this Super Bowl compared to uh, the last select games that they they've had on that network. I mean they had experience uh, doing NFL games on Nickelodeon before since 2021. They had like a couple of games before, but this is gonna be their first real test, like their biggest test yet doing the biggest game possible um, around the world. Like the Super Bowl is like a big deal for Nickelodeon. So this is being billed as the Super Bowl live from Bikini Bottom, which is for those of you that don't watch SpongeBob, I'm surprised that you have it in your lifetime. But yeah, that's like the main the main city of the titular character, SpongeBob SquarePants. So they're gonna be using all these augmented reality effects and features um, so obviously it's gonna be a mainly tor centered towards kids, but they they make it a lot of fun. They make it a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a little corny, but they make it very interesting and they help those that really don't understand football or not into it at all. They help you understand it with all these. They they explain all the rules and whatnot, um, especially when you have rule analysts like Dora the Explorer <laughs> and Boots uh, gonna be explaining all of that for you. And then as analysts you have SpongeBob. Patrick Starr and Sandy Cheeks as a sideline reporter. For those of you that want that kind of broadcast, that's going to be a cer certainly a very interesting thing. And you have all these weird comparisons like, oh, um, X, X football player is going to be like, like SpongeBob or Y, y player is going to be like Patrick. So they do a lot of those uh, crazy wacky things on the Nickelodeon uh, NFL broadcast. Also on the Nick broadcast, they're going to kick it off with a new, um, like a newly animated a rendition of the song Sweet Victory from the season two episode of Spongebob from that episode called Band Geeks. Um, Well-known song. Um, and well, in my opinion, they fucked it up five years ago at Super Bowl 53. Yeah, we all remember uh, Travis Scott, Maroon 5's halftime show, and then that was during the time when uh, the show creator, um, Steven Hillenberg, passed away a couple months prior. And then there's this online petition um, where the fan, SpongeBob fans, many, not just SpongeBob fans, many people were trying to get the NFL, they're trying to get Maroon 5 uh, to play Sweet Victory at halftime. But instead, they get a half baked uh, SpongeBob animation in. So it's like, that was very unacceptable, very half assed. Um, by the NFL and by CBS. So Nickelodeon, hopefully they do it right this time. They give us the full, the full enchilada, um, with sweet victory, um, to kick off what's going to be an interesting broadcast on Nickelodeon. So hopefully they give us the full, the full load of this song when, you know, trying to do, trying to make it right from five years prior. And then for the regular halftime show, Actually, I'm not even sure what they're going to do for the Nickelodeon halftime show. But for the regular halftime show, they're going to have Usher, an R&B pop, uh, pop singer. He's going to headline, and I'm not even sure what songs he's going to do. And I'm not sure. Not even, I don't even know. Um, I'll be honest with you. I've listened to Usher uh, back when he had the, the, the hits in the early, two, early to late 2000s. Basically, all the 2000s um, when, when, I was, when I was a little... When I was a little, 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 little wee man. But uh, I'll be honest with you. I don't know any, any of this shit um, like in the modern day. Let's be real. 
So anyway, let's get to the actual football uh, gridiron stuff, uh, the the nitty gritty uh, between these two teams. Obviously, this showdown is going to be involving my 49ers and the reigning defending champion Chiefs. So this is going to be a rematch of their previous one a little bit for over four years ago. Or if you want to use uh, football terms, four football seasons ago. So this is a rematch of Super Bowl 54, which was held down in Miami in the Miami Gardens. Um, so the Chiefs won that matchup 31-20. Uh, the Niners were at one point were leading by 10 or going to the fourth quarter. But unfortunately, uh, they blew that lead uh, to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And uh, yeah, the, the game was a lot closer than expected until they allowed a late, uh, late score to make it a double-digit game. So... The Chiefs ended up winning that one, and it was actually the first title uh, at that point that the Chiefs had won in over 50 years, and that one marked the beginning of their potential dynasty. So, in, in case you didn't know, you know they went back to, they made back-to-back -back Super Bowl appearances. Uh, they made it to the Super Bowl the, the next year, but they lost to the Bucks. Um, they didn't make it the next year, although they made they got close. And then the, the following year, I mean, which was last year. They beat the Eagles, and then here they are now uh, on the verge of, once again, trying to repeat. For quarterback Patrick Mahomes, he won the MVP of that game, and, well, here they are again on the verge, like I said, of trying to do what they couldn't do in Super Bowl 55. Repeat as Super Bowl champions um, become such for, um, since the 2003 and 2004 New England Patriots. Meanwhile, for my San Francisco 49ers, um, this is actually their first Super Bowl appearance uh, since that same game. They had come so close, but they had come oh so far um, since um, that game. Two NFC Championship appearances in the last two years, but they fell short each time. And, well, let's actually talk about why that was. Uh, <laughs> why that, that was right now. Because heading, you know, looking at the 49ers, um, in this 2023 uh, regular season, um, they entered this season, you know, trying to get back, not get just get back to the NFC Championship game, but actually win it um, and get back to the Super Bowl for the first time since 2019. Uh, as I mentioned before, they've been to two they've been to two title games, and yet they fell just short. Why well, I say short? Because in the first one in 2021 against the LA Rams. They blew another lead, um, and well, they they fell in heartbreak because they couldn't they couldn't come back from that lead that they blew, and then most recently, they they entered this they in the NFC Championship game against Philadelphia, they lost their rookie quarterback Brock Purdy, who was having a surprisingly breakout season um, at the time, like very early on in the game, and then we also lost their their fourth string quarterback Josh Johnson to a concussion, and then we bas they basically had no quarterback um, in that title game against Philadelphia, but basically no chance. So going into this season, you know, you, you had Brock Purdy. Um, There's questions about him with this elbow injury that he had late surgery on um, several months prior, uh, but he essentially put those questions to rest um, in the preseason with the action that he had, um, and then they also sent away a former third overall pick from two years prior, Trey Lance, to the Dallas Cowboys, which at the time I was very questionable on. I was very iffy on because, <laughs> oh man, you know, investing all those uh, first round picks, the, all those picks to trade up and go get them. And it's just like, yeah, that that looked very bad on them. But anyway, you know, the Niners still got off to a good start, 5-0 and in do pretty dominant fashion. You got some strong sewings on both sides of the ball. Brock Purdy essentially playing like the quarterback that broke out once he uh, stepped onto the field late last, uh, last season at the starter um, against, the, uh, against the Miami Dolphins for a, a three quarters and a half and then being the full-on starter against the Tampa Bay Bucks from there on out. And then, yeah, he was essentially the quarterback that would um, take a lot of risks um, and then provide that balance on offense. It would also help that you know, he was being supported by such an all-star cast of receivers, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, tight end George Kittle, the all-workhorse running back in Christian McCaffrey. So the offense was pretty deadly for San Francisco. And then leading the way on defense was a strong front four 
um, led by Nick Boza and Javon Hargrave. Um, in the back end, uh, front, uh, secondary, led by Fred Warner, Tarverius Ward at corner, and then safety, Talanohu Funga, um, at least in that point of the season. But then you saw two, uh, a two-game road trip that really started to linger on San Francisco. You saw injuries to Debo Samuel uh, and Trent Williams, and then they had a three-game skid um, going to the bye week. And there were a lot of questions about um, San Francisco because they were playing poorly, um, even w- with those injuries at hand. Um, it really started to test uh, Brock Purdy's skill set. But after after the bye week, um, they got right. Um, they got a few uh, banged-up players back. They did lose a key one on defense in Talano Hufunga. Um, they were back to their old selves. Um, they got some key wins over the the Eagles, the Seahawks. It was the they beat up yet fighting Arizona Cardinals. Um, and despite some late season regression um, from the defense, Purdy and the offense still managed to uh, put up strong as they wrapped up the division, the NFC West again. And with some help, they also managed to wrap up the NFC's top seed. But even with the top seed, you know, as going to the playoffs. Um, they managed to get a first-round buy because that's what you get um, from getting the number one seed. I guess you know when you look at the the scope of things, you know, the the thing that eluded San Francisco for the last two playoffs, you know, grabbing that number one seed, sure, it got them uh, near near at full strength, but it's just like with that also comes with a little bit of a price because it really the the three the near three weeks off because considering week 18 was essentially a meaningless game against the rams and then you had essentially two weeks off despite you know going hard nosed at practice it really affected them it really affected them because boy were they really eliminated by the green bay packers um a 7th seed um when they when they came back for the divisional game because they looked sluggish they were underperforming in the rain brock purdy was making a some pretty bad throws, um, you know, despite the opposition and Jordan Love making some pretty good ones, um, despite in spite of the weather. And then the defense not making um, some very good tackles. But nonetheless, they managed to come back. They made the key plays that mattered most. Um, Rock Purdy led a fourth quarter game winning drive. You know, all the questions about, oh, they, they never. They never won a game. They never won a game when they were trailing in the fourth quarter. So they put all of that to rest in that game, as they managed to beat, come back, beat the Packers, um, and seal their spot in the NFC Championship game. And in that game against the Detroit Lions, uh, which was the Lions' just their second ever NFC title game, man, things were much worse to start out of the gates. Um, they allowed Detroit to punch them in the face right away um, because of their running game. Um, and a little bit of Jared Goff, but th- nonetheless, they got off to a lightning hot 24 to seven advantage at halftime. And right away, San Francisco and their fan base was just looking like, what the fuck? Um, are we, what are we, what are we watching here? I was even like, what, what the hell are we watching here? Uh, <laughs> it's like, are we really looking at, I mean, no offense to Detroit, but are we looking at, are we looking at the death blow to their season uh, like this? Like, really? Are we staring at a repeat of last year, except everybody is healthy? But that's not what happened. Um, they rallied back in the second half with a much better effort on both sides of the ball. They scored 27 unanswered points in a rapid pace, and they managed to come back and beat the Lions um, in a crazy second half to get back to the Super Bowl for the first time since 2019. So, these 49ers, um, yeah, pretty shaky in the playoffs, but they are resilient. Now, the question is, can they carry that resilience to finish their story against a familiar foe that has downed them the last time they met on the biggest stage? And that is the reigning, defending, undisputed champion, Kansas City Chiefs. So, for the Chiefs, they they entered this season Coming off the heels of knocking off the Philadelphia Eagles in Arizona um, last time they were here on this stage. So the Chiefs obviously have a target on their back. Um, and they had a good opportunity to become the first repeat champions since the 2003-2004 New England Patriots when they did it back-to-back in Super Bowl 38 and 39. But for the for Kansas City, this season actually proved to be 
their most difficult under Patrick Mahomes for a lot of reasons. But their main concern was, you know, their receiving core. I mean, even without Tyreek Hill, um, they didn't have that that main vertical threat, that main downfield threat that they once had. Um, they were able to get away with it in the 2022 season, the season that they won the Super Bowl last year, um, because you know, Patrick Mahomes <laughs> is a is a really good quarterback, a really a great quarterback. Um, and you have your top tight end, Travis Kelsey, who is always difficult to stop. And a couple of emerging weapons like Jared McKinnon and then Rashi, uh, the rookie, Rashi Rice, who is still uh, coming in a bit of his own, uh, but came on a little strong late in the season of his rookie year last year. But this year, it was especially tough because the receiving core, who had actually lost Juju Schuster, uh, one of the kind of key guys uh, late in their playoff run. Their receiving core for most of the season let their quarterback down with how much they dropped the ball. Like, no, I mean, not like in terms of like, oh, they let, they let you down because of certain things, but they, they literally couldn't catch the ball. Like even in wide open spaces, like they just could not like grip on the ball. I mean, of course I'm no athlete. I'm not, I'm not here to criticize. It's just like, like if you're that wide open, it's just like you gotta catch that. Like you can't have butter, you can't eat too much butterfinger and then just expect you to catch it. Like damn, it's like you have to catch that. You have to catch those catchable balls. And Travis Kelsey, he also had a slightly down year, but still productive nonetheless. Maybe that's perhaps due to the newfound spotlight that he has with his new his new his new boo, Taylor Swift. Um, that all started in week three against the Chicago Bears, uh, and all the spotlight was on how how much how much can we cut away to Taylor Swift in the press box, and and they all talk about Taylor Swift from there on out. So anyway, um, and then you also had the issues at offensive line with uh, the additions of J- uh, Juwan T- uh, Juwan Taylor, I believe. Uh, sorry, if I'm getting the names mixed up, Juwan Taylor and Donovan Smith. Um, because a few key names I'm going to mention later, um, they left in free agency. Oh, Orlando Brown Jr., sorry. Now I can remember the names. Orlando Brown Jr. and Andrew Wiley left in free agency. And, yeah, those two that I just mentioned, they haven't provided the most stellar of protection. So I'm going to mention more about that in a bit. And nonetheless, though, despite all of that, um, they finished the season 11-6, and six, but... Because they had a bad December, which because of those same problems, it cost them the number one seed. So this is the first time that they've been uh, a little uh, below not just a one seed, but a two seed as well. So they they were a three seed. They ha- they did get to host a playoff game against the Miami Dolphins, but now they were forced to do something that they haven't done um, in the Patrick Mahomes regime. And that was go on the road, and play a play a playoff game in hostile and hostile territory for the first time ever. So in the playoffs, they dis, they easily disposed of Tua Tagovailoa and the Dolphins in a very cold ass game in Arrowhead. Um, I think it was like minus four degrees, like during that time uh, last month. And I was like, yeah, I I I'm not I did not want to be in that place. Um, I think it was even colder, you know where. Um, my friend was like up north. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, stay warm, stay warm over there. Like even now stay warm, like bundle up. It's like, yeah, I, I did not want to deal with that. So anyway, they headed to a not much warmer, uh, Buffalo the next week to take on Josh Allen and the bills in a divisional rematch from two years prior. We all remember that, uh, crazy wild game from two years ago. And it was another seesaw battle in that game as well. Um, but in the end, the Chiefs scored on all but one possession. And despite trailing at halftime, but they took the lead for good. Um, and all they could do, despite, you know, Josh Allen holding the ball on last, well, they certainly watched. They watched the Bills uh, self-destruct. Josh Allen missed a bunch of easy open pla- passes. Um for whatever reason, <laughs> and kicker Tyler Bass missed a game-time field goal wide right. The two famous words that the Bills do not want to hear, wide right. So, 
The Chiefs held serve um, to beat the Bills, go on to the AFC Championship game for the sixth straight time. But now they had to do that on the road um, against the top-seeded Baltimore Ravens, who were, were who had a pretty bounced attack on on both sides of the ball. And Lamar Jackson was playing at a MVP caliber level. But that was not the case in this AFC Championship game. Because, you know, although Mahomes and the Chiefs offense got out, out of the gates early with a 14-7 advantage, it was pretty much a battle of the defense for most of the game. Sure, the defense of the Ravens were able to keep uh, Mahomes and company in check, but Lamar Jackson and his loaded offense got nothing going with the opportunities presented to them. The Chiefs were just, once again, just like the week prior with the Bills, they were simply watching uh, Lamar and the Ravens implode on the biggest stage that the Ravens had gotten to that point. But the defense, you know, they get their credit too. But it was Lamar and the, the Ravens offense making mistake after mistake after mistake. As the Chiefs took advantage of that self-destruction yet again, to return back to the Super Bowl, their fourth in five years, and get another opportunity to go back to back for the first time since those Patriots. So, you know, looking at these teams, um, again, this is a rematch from a couple years ago in Super Bowl 54, but these two teams are a little bit different, um, a little bit different than the last time we saw them. And they play, they play a little bit differently as well, the per se. So in terms of their 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 pros and their cons, let's starting off with the 49ers. Um, some of their pros include, you know, their offense. Their offense is certainly a little bit more dynamic than the one that Jimmy Garoppolo uh, led in 2019 in that Super Bowl. Because now you got a quarterback in Brock Purdy that when you give him the ample protection and you give him time to throw, he has a litany of weapons. So Brock Purdy can actually throw the throw the feet throw and dice up the feet uh dice up defenses he can actually run out of the pocket when his coach can actually do it and actually let him but anyway <laughs> that's besides the point uh the, the insertion of Brock Purdy into the starting role has actually been come a blessing you know over time the offense became fully unlocked to levels where Jimmy G uh he couldn't because he was basically a full-on pocket quarterback um, for Brock Purdy, um, he's able to extend plays um, not just in the pocket, but um, he's in, uh, with his legs. So, fast forward to having a full season of it, it became even more lethal. Um, the more Purdy produces, like I said, a dynamic, aggressive back in Christian McCaffrey, a two-headed receiving attack with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, and when especially when Kyle Shanahan dials up um, Debo as a running back, especially more so in the outside than than inside. It worked uh, two years ago, but now uh, teams have recognized it. And then, of course, when George Kittle is utilized as a as a as a receiver, that can rip up the, rip open the offense too. So the offense is certainly a much more le- uh, lethal one when given the opportunity. Defensively, uh, it's a little bit uh, not as not not as tough as uh, the one uh, in that same Super Bowl, but. They're still they're still good as it is, especially that linebacker duo of Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. These two linebackers are hard-nosed and always flying over the middle of the field, especially Fred Warner. You could consider him as the 49ers do-it-all defensive player, in my opinion, because there are times <laughs> during the season where the defensive line struggles, um, the secondary struggles, and Fred Warner has to basically go to... Go fly over to where wherever the player has the ball on the uh, on the opposing team, and he just has to make the damn play. So that's basically Fred Warner for you. Meanwhile, Drake Greenlaw is also also makes that key play that that key tackle that he needs to give the offense the ball back or make that stop that that is needed. So this this two headed attack at linebacker always always there to make the play that you can rely on, but. With their pros also comes their cons. And one of those big cons is the offensive line. So this offensive line, you know, it's a little bit questionable why uh, 
Kyle Shannon and John Lynch um, didn't invest in it in the offseason because, you know, the, the offensive line was a primary reason why Brock Purdy got hurt in that NFC title game last year in Philadelphia. So a very questionable decision on why they invest in, especially a right tackle. Um, they went with Colton McKivitz. And it's not to say Colton McKivitz is bad. He's, he's kind of like a less penalized version of Mike McGlinchey. He doesn't hold. He doesn't commit a lot of holding penalties. <laughs> you get what I mean. But it doesn't make him better. It doesn't make him a better a tackle. But nonetheless, you know, Purdy's still an efficient passer. He just does his best in spite of being in one of the dirtiest pockets in the league. So essentially saying half of the starting offensive line allows some of the most pressure in the league um, to their quarterback. Notably, like I said, McKivitt and whoever his running mate is at right guard be it Spencer Burford or John Feliciano. But in fairness to Feliciano, he actually done a little bit better, but not by much. Uh, left guard Aaron Banks, he had a good year last year, but I'm not sure what happened uh, this year. But to each of his own, year over year, a performance doesn't always carry on. But still, all these factors um, into, into Purdy being one of the most pressured and hit quarterbacks into the league, which you know always leads to concern of injury, which... Happened at a few points during the regular season, especially that game in Arizona. I thought that you know Purdy was <laughs> had a, a pretty bad concussion, but um, it was just a stinger. But still, you want to protect your quarterback at all times. You don't want him to suffer a serious injury that could derail your season. And yeah, that game in Arizona proved it. You got to protect your quarterback better. And then the running defense. Uh, you know, for a defensive line that has had some good impact. And yet, some of the biggest contracts on the roster take up some of the biggest money on your roster. Um, sometimes they really don't play up to that big money. And one of those big parts of that is it's always having a hard time just stopping the run, especially late in the season, especially during these two playoff games. Stopping the likes of Aaron Jones and and David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. I mean, it's not on the, on the defensive line, but um, it ha- happens in the secondary too. It's like, they can't stop the run for whatever damn reason. So, yeah, they, it's just like they always whiff on the run on the running back. It's like they whether if you're on the inside, it's on Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave. And even though maybe running running defense is not their specialty, you still gotta find ways to stuff the pocket. And if you're on the outside, you gotta snuff out the edges. If, if that's Nick Bosa's uh, job. Or if it's uh, Green Greenlaw or whoever's outside at corner, you gotta snuff that out because running defense, this it can be attacked upon on on whoever's running the ball for the Chiefs. So speaking of the Chiefs, uh, obviously there are plenty of pros and cons uh, to their to their team repertoire as well. I mean, obviously the biggest one is Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. I mean, what more can you say uh, with the biggest strength of their team. You got a very, you have a really great quarterback that can lead your team uh, down the field in an instant. Uh, Travis Kelsey, the best, one of the best, if not the best tight end in the league um, with how much he can produce um, in a hurry. And then going on to their more unsung strengths of this team. I'd say the rushing core of Isaiah Pacheco uh, and to a degree, Jerry McKinnon and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, McKinnon hasn't been around too much. Um, because uh, of an injury, of a groin injury that he suffered like late in the season. But um, when all the when all two of these uh, two of these two of these three players uh, are are playing, especially Isaiah Pacheco, they they can produce. Pacheco in particular, he's been starting all year, uh, most of the year, but this postseason he has been on the tear. He's been burning through the trenches, notching at least over 200 yards and three touchdowns to boot. So he, he knows when he knows how to get through the, through those running holes. Um, and he's also a good pass catcher too. And, you know, let's not forget, get Jared McKinnon. He's, he's also good in the receiving game. Um, and Clyde Edwards, who was the former starting running back, you know, he can provide a boost to that running game as well. And especially considering if they do activate Jared McKinnon off IR, which probably assuming that he will, Considering that, you know, he has been getting healthier, 
He could be a much needed addition to that uh, weakness that I'm going to mention later on. And then defensively, you look at Chris Jones, um, the defensive tackle for the Chiefs. Their best player on defense under in, in a one-year deal, essentially a franchise tag. He's been playing on a vendetta uh, because he's been doing, as I, what I mentioned, playing on an essential franchise tag. So he's been a frequent disruptor in the trenches. He knows how to get around the short field. Um, he knows how to get to to the quarterback uh, on the interior. Jones has essentially been their do-all guy in the front four, um, especially considering that now at one they lost one of their key um, uh, edge rushers. The Chiefs are going to need uh, Chris Jones to be the guy in the in the, in the pass rush um, without their their key running mate on the edge. When you look at uh, some of the Chiefs' uh, key weaknesses, when you look at um, their cons, you can say that, oh, they're a perfect team and whatnot. They, that's why they made four or five champion uh, Super Bowls. Well, with this Chiefs team, like there are still some flaws with them, like their secondary. Sure, their defense is much improved than compared to years past where they were just like uh, giving up just about every single uh, play that imaginable. But this Chiefs defense, you know, their front four, their front seven stronger. Um, but sometimes they're secondary, you know, they're secondary, but even with corners, luxurious need and Trent McDuffie, um, they're secondary when the pass rush can't get home to the quarterback. They can't develop a lot of pressure on them. It can give up some big plays. It can give up some, not even what are big plays or chunk plays. It, if there's no pass rush, um, to hit home on the quarterback, the passing defense can run into a little bit of trouble if they, they aren't quick to act. So if the quarterback is able to get rid of the ball, whether it be a chunk play or a big passing play downfield, then that spells trouble for um, the corners and for whoever's at safety. And then offensively, they, like I mentioned earlier, there has been some issues with the offensive line with their tackles, um, Juwan Taylor and Donovan Smith, um, because even yeah, even though they have had their, they've had had their positives. They've been a, they've also been a, a negative as well, because they had their troubles protecting Mahomes. Um, they they have they have had him pressured a lot on the edge, and they've also accounted for a lot of the team's penalties. Like <laughs> there's a there's part of a reason why. Um, that's part of the reason why uh, the Chiefs have also like. Lost a lot of productive drives because, um, you know, sometimes, for example, oh, Mahomes completes a big pat, uh, a big, big key first down conversion uh, or big key third down uh, to, let's say, Travis Kelsey, for example. But it get it got called back because either Jawan Taylor, or Donovan Smith got called for holding, or called called for an illegal, uh, illegal or illegal shift or something. So, yeah. These guys accounted for nearly a good amount of the team's like yellow flags. So even with that strong interior that includes center Creed Humphrey, their exterior, their tackles, they they haven't real, they've been very inconsistent um, in terms of protection for a good amount of the season. And then going back to the receiver spot, their receiver reliability. Well, I mean, Rashi Rice has come along um, pretty nicely late late in the year, especially in the playoffs. Um, but going back to that very common theme, which again, hasn't happened, which hasn't popped up, um, in the playoffs, which is good for them, but there's a reason why they they had to work at just as hard, even harder to get to this point is because their receiver depth is really not good. Uh, really not that great. They, they, they really had to go by, um, at the receiver spot. Um, so like I said, they had, they got away with it, um, in their last Super Bowl run last year, but it got really prevalent, uh, when nearly every receiver you could name, whether it was Marcus Valdez-Scantling, McCall Hardman, um, or I don't know, Sky Moore kept dropping the ball. Like they kept dropping open passes from Mahomes. So like I said, it hasn't been a problem so far. Um, but if that happens on the big stage, uh, on the Super Bowl, then, you, you know you're gonna you're gonna have one very unhappy quarterback, um, especially um, when it gets in clutch time. So, looking at looking ahead to this game, 
there's been some very interesting things <laughs> going on um, and some very interesting things going on against the quote-unquote visiting team because, you know, these teams, yeah, there's a visiting team and then there's a home team. Let's say the designated visiting team. Um, there's been a lot of interesting things going against the visiting team than against the designated home team. Because first off, you had Nick Boza um, starting off the 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 prep by you know going out and saying, "Oh, the Chiefs' offensive line tends to hold a lot." Now I don't know if that meant like, "Oh, they just draw out a lot of penalties." The the true fact that they do hold, or the referees don't notice it um, from either the last time they played in the Super Bowl or they just don't draw penalties at all. But he definitely drew some. He's definitely trying to draw attention to the referees that hey. You better call your shit right. You better call a fair game, which is true. They better call a fair game um, in the Super Bowl because you're going to have a very uh, good amount of unhappy people. Uh, <laughs> um, if something goes wrong, something you know is considered rigged. Speaking of rigged, uh, man, it seems like uh, there's a conspiracy going on with, um, going into this uh, Super Bowl week. Because first you have the 49ers practice field getting all soft and saggy um, once they go in on Monday. Um, and then you have the the fire alarm going off uh, on Thursday when the Niners are still sleeping in bed, trying to get some nap time. And then a lot of things, a lot of things. The money line, um, you know, still going, going towards the Chiefs, even though the Niners are still favored by two whatnot. So a lot of interesting stuff going on with, with San Francisco. Uh, and maybe the NFL is to blame for this, considering the poor logistics. Um, but still, it makes them look like they're fa- they're clearly favored in the Chiefs even more. Like, can we just have a fair game for once? Like, don't you think this is all sus? Like, don't like whether you're a Chiefs fan or Niners fan or just you know just like a uh, you're a fan of the team, but you're just just trying to watch the Super Bowl. But don't you think this is a little sus? Don't you think that? The NFL is trying to put all together this elaborate plan um, just to have Taylor Swift win a Super Bowl with the Chiefs. Don't you think so? I don't know. It, it just seems very weird. Now, in terms of the injury report for uh, this game, in both, both both teams are coming in relatively healthy, uh, but there are some things to note um, at this point. At this point in the season, at this point in the game. Uh, backup uh, tight end Ross Dwelly, who is a key blocker for um, the 49ers when they need tight ends on blocking down on on blocking downs. Uh, unfortunately for him, he's not going to be uh, on the Super Bowl roster because he's not being activated off injury reserve. Probably imagine that um, they couldn't really, they couldn't take someone off uh, the the 53 man roster. So a little unfortunate for Ross Dwelly. Uh, speaking of tight ends, George Kittle. Back at practice um, in a limited fashion after not participating in the two practices during the quote-unquote bye week uh, for the Super Bowl practice week um, with a toe injury. And then Eric Armstead, also back at practice after his nagging and foot injuries, also came out of those uh, extra week practices. So looking at the Chiefs at their injury report, uh, guard Joe Tooney, the starting left guard for Patrick Mahomes, uh, Andy Reid is considering him as a long shot to play in this big game. So some people are saying it's a big loss uh, for or for this game. However, keep in mind that his backup, Nick Allegretti, did just fine against the Ravens in their vaunted defensive front, keeping pretty much everyone on his side in check. So if somehow you know, the Niners don't uh, get... Get there, uh, the likes of Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead to pressure him up the butt, then there's a problem. There's a problem for them. And then, meanwhile, on the defensive side, edge rusher uh, Charles Omenihu, a name that the Niners are familiar with, uh, he was placed on injury reserve. He tore his ACL, which was very unfortunate, um, in the title game against the Ravens. So, Omenihu was a big, very big contributor. Um, in the pass rush for Kansas City this season, and came up one the uh, came up with the key turnover um, in in that AFC title game uh, with the strip sack fumble on Lamar Jackson. So, kind of a big loss for 
uh, the Kansas City Chiefs in that pass rush. So further pointing out the emphasis of having Chris Jones there in to trying to step up and be that uh, the guy on on that pass rush. So taking uh, a man whose spot on on the roster is going to be receiver Sky Moore. He's going to be activated off injury reserve. He missed some time with the knee injury. Uh, so some help in the receiving game. Jared McKinnon, who had been um, missing in action since week 15 with a groin injury, he was designated to return from injury reserve last weekend. Um, he's been practicing. Not sure if the Chiefs had already in- activated him off IR. I probably imagine that they did. But um, if he hasn't, then that's a little surprising. But we will see. So now, let's finally look at the keys to victory for both these teams as we head into the ultimate series, uh, season finale. <laughs> series finale, like the NFL's ending, but sorry. Season finale of this NFL season. So starting with the 49ers, I think a lot of it comes down to effort. A lot of, a lot of these keys to victory comes down to how the 49ers play because the last two games, they, play, they started out like dog shit. Dog dookie water. So, in essence, they got to show up and show out for all four quarters, especially the defensive line. The effort that they showed um, in to start out the last two playoff games, you know, against the Packers and the Detroit Lions, they, sure, they were able to come back from that. They were, they were able to do much better in the second half. But against the Kansas City Chiefs, against Patrick Mahomes, that is absolutely not going to fly <laughs> at, at all. They need to start fast. They need to start stronger. And finish stronger in this winner-take-all game that is the Super Bowl. Because, you know, when you look at that game, there was no pressure on on Jordan Love or Jared Goff. No collapsing of their pockets until the second half of each of those games when they had to make those adjustments. So against Patrick Mahomes, if they don't do that to start the game, he's going to torch their asses right away. He's going to build up a, a insurmountable lead that the Niners cannot overcome. So they have to... Show up, show out, and pressure Mahomes up the butt. Defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes, you know, he rightfully called out their effort. I mean, I'm glad he did, but it's also up to him. He has to be game ready with better game plans, better adjustments on each and every play against the best quarterback in the league. And then offensively, you set the tone with your offense with Christian McCaffrey. I mean, obviously. (laughs) Christian McCaffrey won the most physical backs in football. And while the Chiefs run defense, you know, it's a solid one. They can be picked on despite, you know, having Chris Jones lurking around in the shadows. So the offensive uh, usually gets a jump started with Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, it shouldn't uh, change with the newly crowned offensive player of the year. And then going back to my original point with the defense, it also translates with the offense. Everyone's got to start fast and stay that way, especially quarterback Brock Purdy. Because, yeah, you can't afford to have all these slow starts. You can't have these... Uh, questionable game plans. So you, you have to start, start off strong. Yep. If you have to get out of the pocket, get out of the damn pocket. If you have to use your legs, use your damn legs to escape pressure. You just have to do whatever you can to start out strong, stay stay strong, and finish finish strong if you want to win your sixth Lombardi. Meanwhile, for the Chiefs, you got to keep Brock Purdy in the pocket and keep pressuring him up the butt. While Purdy... He provides some of his best under pressure. He also provides some of his worst. Um, if proposing defenses really pressure him fast enough to get him into an erratic throw. The, the, like I said, the 49ers offensive line, especially on the right side with Colin McKivitt and John Feliciano slash Spencer Burford and Jake Brendel to a degree at center, they're not exactly great. They're not exactly a, a great wall of you-know-what. So... The Chiefs start seven, got to take advantage of that. Contain Purdy within the pocket and get to him quickly to force a, a big a big sack loss, force him into some mistakes that will benefit Mahomes in the offense. Speaking of Patrick Mahomes in the offense, Mahomes, he has to trust his receivers that are not named Travis Kelsey and Rashi Rice um, when there, there are times that, come, that have to come in clutch, get those key first downs, um, especially when Kelsey and Rashi Rice are covered up. So there are going to be points in, during the game where Charverius Ward or Diamador Lenore and Fred Warner are going to cover up either one of those two. So there, there are going to be times where 
Mahomes is going to have to trust a Sky Moore or McCall Hardman or Justin Watson to make that key catch to extend plays or make the key touchdown or get them in the red zone or whatnot. Yes, there'll be times where they drop the ball, but if they can make the key catch, that's all that matters uh, for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And then last but not least, go with what's already working with Isaiah Pacheco ground and pound, especially against this 49ers run defense. So their run defense for San Francisco, not exactly great. Um, especially these last these last couple uh a couple weeks for, for them. Well, game weeks, of course. So look for the Chiefs to further exploit that both inside and out. Um, because yeah, San Francisco's running defense is pretty piss poor. So yeah, should be an interesting game. Let's see how the rematch goes. I know everyone's saying, oh, it's going to be the, the Chiefs, the Chiefs this, Chiefs that. Well, hey, you never know um, with with this kind of this kind of NL season, this, how wacky, weird it has been. Hell, things might get wacky again as the 2023 season closes out with a Super Bowl uh, rematch that some people have said, oh, nobody asked for this. And other people have said, hell, maybe we asked for this. But either way, should be a interesting way or maybe not so interesting way to close out Super Bowl Sunday, uh, or the NFL season, as someone will be saying, it's a sweet victory, yeah, uh, in Las Vegas. Will that be the 49ers, or will it be the Chiefs once again, as they will be, as they could be repeat champions? We'll see. We'll see uh, what happens uh, this coming Sunday on CBS. And also Nickelodeon, too. Maybe you might consider checking out that Nickelodeon broadcast. I don't know. But anyway, that is it for uh, this episode of Very Cold Lasagna. Who are you going with uh, in Super Bowl 58 this coming uh, Sunday, this coming weekend? Uh, are you going with the Niners? Or are you going with the Chiefs? And why? And also, which network are you watching it on? Are you watching it on CBS, the regular broadcast, or on Nickelodeon? I like to know that, too, just, just for the heck of it. <laughs> but anyway... Let me know your takes uh, in the comments below and on, on in YouTube and on social media on X and Instagram at Vericle Lasagna. But that is it for this episode of Vericle Lasagna, episode number 183 of this icy yet spicy sport podcast. That is Vericle Lasagna. And as always, that lasagna, very cold in the fridge with your takes on the world of sports. I'll be back to recap this Super Bowl and whether I will be disappointed or I will be jumping for joy uh, because my team, the 49ers, had finally finished the story, but we'll see. <laughs> um, we'll see how I'll be feeling um, after it is all said and done, after the five hours of stress of my life. Um, the biggest stress, once again, the biggest stressful hours of my life on this Sunday, February 11th. Until then, keep the lasagna very cold, and until the next episode, peace out.